Hi, good morning. My name is Brian. Welcome to Crossroads. Thank you for being here this morning. God, thank you so much for this morning's showing here at Crossroads. And we know that your hand is in this service. It's, it's going to guide it. It's going to direct it. That starts with just us being here together as a body, just showing up in a show of unity and, and a show of love and uh, just coming together as that, as that body of, of Christ here on earth. Uh, and, and all the way through the, the music where we're going to worship you, it's just our, our body and our soul and our spirit. And into the message that Bill is going to bring this morning, where we get to talk about your son who, who came and offered himself up for us to be able to have true life, true eternal life with you. We just pray that our hearts are in the right place, that we understand what you expect from us. You expect our our self-sacrifice and devotion this morning as we learn about you and, and uh, as, as you just permeate this building and into our lives. And uh, we pray that this service honors you in every way that we can do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. You know, I, uh, it's very simple. <laughs> they actually said the message as we started. We're going to remind ourselves that, that we have a, a good God. Uh, a God that looks out to love us and to care. Uh, the primary verse that brings us, to me at least, that says it so often that sometimes we hear it and it kind of bounces off. For God, the good, good God, so loved the world, so loved me, that he sends Jesus Christ. The song is first one that, that Lori did. Jesus, we're, we're talking about God's gift to us. And, and, and we're going to be celebrating it today in, in communion. We're going to be celebrating it, hopefully, in his word. Uh, and hopefully, in some way, we'll, we'll see clear God's love for us. Because he's, he's proven it to us. He, he proved it to us by sending his son to this earth to die for us. These are statements that Christians take, oh, yeah. But no, God sends his son knowing he's going to die, knowing he's going to make the ultimate sacrifice for me personally, and for you personally. And so today we remind ourselves that we have a good father. But it is something that uh, for me is encouraging that God affirms truth. Jesus says he's the truth. So today as, as we celebrate Jesus, as we celebrate God's gift to us uh, in this service and in the communion that's going to follow, we're, we're reminded that Jesus made himself known to us. Uh, he did many signs and indicating uh, who he was, miracles. Now, we look at the Bible as, 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 as the story of Jesus coming. It starts at the beginning in the garden. It ends when he comes back, and he's going to set up his kingdom here on earth. Uh, this is the story, the, law, the history of Jesus, but it's done so that we can understand. He presents himself as the Son of God. And this thing, it says, with many signs, and the apostle John, who we've been studying, was the first disciple to come to Jesus and to follow him. And he wrote a book. And he wrote a book so that you and I could understand this Jesus. And that, that's what he says, this book that he wrote that we've been studying now for this is our third week. He did many signs in the presence of his disciples. They're not even written in the book. But what's written in the book is so there's enough information, there's a, enough evidence, there's enough signs that we can believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he was actually God in the flesh walking among us. 
this series we've been talking about is I am, the, the statement that God made uh, to the people of Israel, to Moses, who says, I am that I am, I am God. And Jesus claims to be God. And, but he gave signs to prove it. We're going to watch a video of some of the signs that Jesus gave that we've talked some, about some of them, and we'll talk about more of them as we go on. Let's watch the signs. In the beginning, Jesus created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, he was with God and was God. In the beginning, Jesus was the Word. And it is this Word who made men that men wrote about in words. For when women and men encountered him, giving them bread in the wilderness, or shepherding them through brokenness, or bringing light into a world of darkness, they would write of this word using words, which forms what we know in the present as the Old Testament. And the one word they would write again and again was the word's name, which was, I am. And this word, this I am, would be encountered afresh, not as an invisible word, but in visible flesh. So people began again combining paper and pen to tell the story of this word named Jesus they had come upon. And one of those people was a man named John. John says he wrote these things so that you might believe. Believe that Jesus is the Word of God from eternity past and that this eternal God has come to dwell with us at last. But that is a lot to believe. And for many, it just crosses too many lines. Which is why John records Jesus saying, If you don't believe me, at least believe the signs. For these signs are the things Jesus did, which pointed to who he is. Some of them were miraculous, like what Jesus did at a wedding that had run out of wine, or what happened at his friend Lazarus's grave plot site. But miracles are not his only signs. He also did symbolic works, like what happened with the merchants at the temple who sell and buy, or what he said to a woman at a well who was tired and dry. And through all of it, whether miraculous works or symbolic guides, what these signs point to is what Jesus is heard teaching in nearly every one of John's lines. It's that he is divine. He is the very same God seen throughout the Old Testament. All of Jesus' signs, every one of them, points to the fact that he is God who was called I Am. Which is why Jesus says, I am, all throughout John's account. He says, I am the bread of life that fed God's people in the wilderness. He says, I am the shepherd that led you through your brokenness. He says, I am the light that first shone into darkness. He says all of this, I am the resurrection, I am the vine, I am the way, the truth, the life. And he does this to show that he is God, the word who was before the beginning of time, which is a lot to believe. And it's why Jesus said, if you don't believe me, at least believe 
the signs. For these signs not only pointed back to prove who Jesus is, they also pointed forward to prepare us for what he ultimately did. And whether that sign was the water he turned into wine at a wedding, that pointed to the blood he would be shedding, so that he may provide for his bride, the church, a marriage that is never ending. Whether the sign was raising Lazarus from the dead, that pointed to what he would do from his own deathbed to earn for all who believe in him a final resurrection. Whether the sign was turning over tables in the temple to show that his sacrificial death would fulfill that of which animals were only a symbol. Whether the sign was offering eternal water to an outcasted Samaritan to show that he would be struck to provide living streams of life for every nation. Whatever the sign may be, the message it would tell is that this Jesus who is God the I Am was going to accomplish his plans through death and burial. That is what the signs pointed to. On the cross is where their meaning was unfurled, that the I Am would be the lamb who dies to take away the sin of the world. But Jesus would perform a final sign that would prove he is the I Am, the Word, who in the beginning spoke and the universe was made. And that sign is that Jesus rose from the grave. That is why John wrote his book, to give us the signs that point to who Jesus was, what Jesus did, how Jesus died and rose to life. And now, John's gospel comes to each of us and asks the same thing. To please look at these pages, see the signs of Jesus, and believe. For three weeks, we've been looking at the gospel of John. We, I've encouraged and recommended, and we actually gave out copies of just the, the letter of John that he wrote describing Jesus Christ. Uh, to me, it's life-changing. Uh, during the last several weeks, reading it dozens of times, uh, going over it and just reminding ourselves as I go through it, I look at the signs. I, I, I remind myself not only of the signs that Jesus did when he was here on earth, but also the signs that he's done in my life, that he's done actually in the lives of many people here that I know. And I watch Jesus work through other people and, and give signs of service and love and joy that is supernatural. And so these are signs that, he, that we've been looking at. This is our series uh, where Moses claimed, I am that I am, this eternal God that has no beginning and has no end. Jesus claims I am. He uses the Greek words that, that point out the same thing. There's so much talk today in, uh, about theologians, false theologians, really. They say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Those theologians never read the Bible. Jesus claimed to be God. He was God in the flesh uh, that came to deliver us. He came and he clearly tells his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen God. If you want to know the heart of God, you want to know the power of God, the joy of God, well, look at Jesus. And specifically, look at him on the cross, dying for my sins and yours. Uh, we've been looking at this. We started the first with the first I am is Jesus is the word. He is the one that spoke the world into existence. Out of nothing uh, comes the creation that's there last week. 
Nick talked about that he's the Messiah. This week we talk about him being the bread of life. We'll talk about what that means. Because he challenges his followers to believe not only is the bread of life, but in his blood is life for us. And so we'll be looking at that today and we'll take communion to celebrate. But each of these signs we'll be looking at as we go through this series. And it'll take us 10 weeks to cover it. But I encourage you, as strongly as I can encourage you, to please read the Gospel of John. Let it soak in. It, yes, we've read it before. Yes, we've heard But let it soak in and, and hear again, refreshed. You know, one of the things that Jesus tells the church at Ephesus, he says, you've lost your first love. One of the ways to restore first love, he says, is to go back and remember the deeds you did at first. Go back and read John and let it encourage and reinvigorate that, that passionate love that we had for Jesus at the beginning. So, so today we go and we say he's the bread. We, we open the basic sign that he did uh, 2,000 years ago. Uh, Jesus said to him, I'm the bread, and whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever uh, is in me shall, shall never thirst. Here's a promise. And he says, but Jesus is very clear, and God is very clear. Unless we believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he's God, who's come in the flesh, he says, we'll die in our sins. It's, it's in the believing. We, we did John 3, 16. It's those who believe in him have eternal life. Believe not in a mental ascent. Believe in, in something. Yeah, okay, that's, no, believing in this term was a commitment of life and purpose to the one who died for us, for Jesus. That's believing that we're talking about. Today, we, we're asking to believe that Jesus is the bread of life. And there's actually a, uh, an application we're going to talk about at the end. The application is when Jesus gathers his disciples around and he offers them bread. And then he offers them a cup. Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, uh, probably somewhere around 16 hours later, Jesus would die on the cross and say, it is finished. But the night before, he gathers his disciples together and he gives them what we call communion. And he says, this is, this is my body. He breaks the bread. Do this in remembrance of me. He takes the cup, and this is the cup of my blood of the new covenant, the new contract, it says, an agreement between God and man, between Jesus and me, and Jesus and you. This is the contract. This is what he puts in front of us. This is his offer. It's his last disposition of his earthly possessions. Uh, and the New Testament, the covenant, goes into effect with his death as, as sealed in his blood. So this is what we're celebrating. This is the new covenant that, that we look for, and this is the new covenant, actually, that we live in. But when he said it, we, this is mild and interesting because we're so familiar with it. But when he said this 2,000 years ago, he said it to a crowd of people, and, and he challenged them to stretch their belief, to have faith beyond what is normal faith. Because he says to them at that time, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink the blood, uh, you'll, you'll have no life in you. But whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. This is so hard. I mean, just me saying that should shock us. It should, that we're supposed to eat his body and drink his blood. Now, he's, he's talking spiritually, but at the time, the Jews that heard him, they turned and they walked away from him. Many of his disciples turned to leave. Uh, he had thousands following him, and they left. A few stayed. 
his, his disciples stayed, and they had a, a, a great question. Peter says, who should we go to? Everyone else is leaving. Peter says, who should we go to? You have the words of life. And we're going to kind of challenge that and take that on today to see why they said that and why is it important to us. Uh, many of them said, no, uh, I'm not going to believe that. But he says, when he comes, he says, truly, truly, which means at the beginning, here's some truth after me. And, and he, Peter turns around and he commits himself to this Jesus who he had come to trust. But, but, but this just didn't happen isolated or anything else. This happened because of what had come before. And just reviewing our series very quickly, Jesus had already established, John had already written, the disciples had already heard that in the beginning was the word. Jesus was in the beginning. He spoke everything that we consider natural, the world we live in. He speaks it into existence. He became, and in this word that was God, becomes flesh and walks among us. And then he comes to his own people. He comes to the Jewish people and they reject him. Actually, we know certainly in, in a very short period of time, 16 hours after this talk was given, he's crucified. Those who are saying, hailing him as king at the, at the grand entry into Jerusalem later in the week are yelling, crucify him. So how did, how did we get from God the word coming there? So let's, let's talk about his life. Uh, this starts out, he's, he's born. Uh, if you will, he's born uh, very in humble circumstances and situations, uh, a common situation. He's born, but his, his bed is a, is a manger at that time. At, at 30 years old, he starts to move inside the world. John the Baptist points at him and says, that, that's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John, who wrote the Gospel of John, was there and heard those words, and he records them. He's the only one that records them, because John points out to him, this is the Lamb of God. John was a Levite. Now this is for those of you who are familiar. He's the one that would present sacrifices at the temple, a Levite priest. Jesus is the lamb that he presents to the world uh, as a sacrifice for our sins. He starts uh, moving out, and Jesus calls common people. Some people, one of the challenges to me, and I, I don't know if anyone else has said this, he picks some really strange dudes to follow him. Uh, he, he picks a tax gatherer. He picks a, a hot-tempered, quick spokesman, fisherman, uh, to be able to do that. He, he selects people from, but they're common people. They're not trained. There's nothing special about them. And he's telling each of us, he's chosen us. The chosen people come out, this, this group that's there. His first miracle was talked about in there. Was it a wedding in Cana? He shows up. They run out of wine. Jesus brings his disciples, may have been part of the problem at the party. Uh, Jesus brings his, brings his uh, peeps with him, and they come in and they drink all the wine. And so Jesus creates wine. Now think. Creates wine. He takes water, common water, and turns it into wine. Good wine. Best wine, according to the, the, the person at the feast. He says, you, you've given the good wine when Jesus made it. I remember uh, looking at this one when I was investigating Christianity and, and saying, Jesus made wine. It, it so astounded me uh, as he did that. Uh, supernaturally, brings it about. The next he starts to ga gather people to, around him. He goes to the temple and he cleanses it. You know, we, we look at that and we have to understand that 
he had been to the temple before. He'd, he taught there as a 12-year-old. And when his parents found him, his earthly parents found him, he said, oh, no, I had to be in my father's house. So when Jesus walks into the temple and sees the money changers selling animals, uh, making profit uh, incorrectly, uh, exchange rate for money, he just sees the sin and the, and the corruption that is in his father's house. So he cleanses the house. Uh, and of course, brings the, uh, the ire of the people that are against him. Uh, he does that, it, and, he, and he cleanses that temple. He's always moving. People continue to accept and reject him as he goes along. But he draws followers. And he makes a simple statement, and we're going to repeat this verse because it's so central, that God loves and he sends Jesus to save the world. Early on, he gives this to a religious leader called Nicodemus. And he continues to do these things uh, as he goes forward. He loves him. Now, catch the connection here. It's believing in him. He didn't come to kill him, but that he might be saved. Uh, he gives us signs so that we will believe. A sign, many of them mentioned in the video, is a Samaritan woman. We don't catch the connection or in our day and age. Men in public never talk to women. It was one of those things that would be shameful for a man or a woman to talk to each other in public. And yet he goes to a, a Samaritan, someone who is a, a group of people that was total prejudiced uh, between the Jews and them. They didn't talk to each other. They felt that they were inappropriate people. So Jesus goes to a woman, Samaritan, and, and offers her water. And the result is that she, he reveals himself as the Messiah, the village has changed, but he goes to the unlikely people and shows his love to them. He, he continues through this to be able to heal the sick, to raise the dead, supernatural signs. Today we're gonna to focus on one sign that he did when he fed people miraculously, supernaturally, uh, out of almost nothing. Here's a, here's, here's a picture uh, of a crowd that's gathered together. Uh, he goes by, he's over on the Sea of Galilee, and these people gather together. I, I love this picture. For those of you who may be aware of it, it's been in a lot of publications recently. Many of us have watched the series The Chosen uh, on TV. This is a crowd of uh, volunteers who travel from all over the United States to Texas to get, a, to get some free food. They, they went there and they became the crowd of people that Jesus would feed. People from Ridgecrest actually went there. Uh, talked to one last night and there's been several that went there and they continue to connect with each other. They're part of the extras in this scene that when they're duplicating what Jesus did. And Jesus goes to the other side and the large crowd, 5,000 show up. He sees that it's a large crowd and that's just the men. Uh, probably 15,000 total were involved in this. And... Uh, How'd you like to be Philip? And, and Jesus says, where are we going to get bread for these guys? Poor Philip does the quick math in his head. And he says, well, you know, we, we don't have enough money. It would be, uh, how much would it, would it be? And I figured it out. It'd be somewhere around $16,000 is what it would be if you went to Burger King and on the drive-through and said, I want enough burgers and, and shakes to, to feed, or fish burgers, I guess. Uh, to be able to bring that out. And so Jesus isn't, isn't thwarted by that. He says, just have them sit down. Everything's okay. And you can see his disciples going, oh my, how's he going to get us out of this? And he starts, they, 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 first off, they, 
they impose upon a young man to take his fish and loaves, which is probably a strange start, but he does that, and he starts serving them, and he continues to serve, and he continues to serve out of these few fish and few loaves until he's fed 15,000 people. So content and so complete uh, are they full that they have 12 baskets of food left over. This is a miracle. Now, understand the people saw that. They knew what he started with. They ate. They knew what they finished with. This is, this is a miracle beyond miracles, and it just it parallels and matches when Moses uh, was in the wilderness and God continued to bring bread and manna on the ground and then have uh, birds show up at night uh, for the meat that is there. He takes it and he gives thanks and he gives it to all of them. And so the response is obvious because they're seeing this take place with the bagment. And so when the people saw the sign, saw the sign that he had done, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving that, they were about to come by force and to make him king. They were going to say, this is the king. We're going to, this is the guy. We're going to make him king because they wanted the Romans kicked out. They had this illusion of a Messiah coming that was going to conquer and to throw out the Romans and to give them freedom. Just like, uh, I've got to be careful. Some of our political zealots think we can elect someone that's going to make everything all better. Unless it's Jesus, it may not happen. But Jesus saw that they were trying to do, and he perceives, so he withdraws, and he goes to a mountain by himself, because his kingdom is not of this earth. This is one of the problems we just have to remember. We're, we're visitors. We're aliens in, on an alien planet. This world has been given over, if you will, sadly, to the forces of darkness, and Christians are the only light in it. Uh, we belong and we serve in another kingdom, and it's not of this world. It's the kingdom of Jesus Christ that he set up. So he withdraws in this case. He says, my kingdom's not of this world. And this is what he tells Pilate. He says, if, if this was my world, we'd be fighting. He says, no, the kingdom is not here. So he does this, this incredible work that he does in front of him. And he says, no, my kingdom is not here. So what's the hope? Why is he doing this? He didn't come to set up a physical kingdom. He came to give an invitation to a spiritual kingdom really a kingdom of the heart, a kingdom of spirit, a kingdom of truth that lives inside of us. He came to invite each person, you and me, into this. And whenever he, he turns and he, and he says this, he says, uh, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Believe in me shall never thirst. Unless you believe that I am this, you're going to die in your sins. That is a self-challenging statement to each and every one of us. Do we believe Jesus when he says this? And he goes on, this, this kingdom of love and everything that is before me, he starts and he says, truly, truly, I say to you, which means truly, truly, translated the word is really amen, amen. Everything that follows is a statement of truth. You're not seeking me uh, because you saw signs, but because of the loaves that were there. He says, don't work for the food, don't work for the material things that are taking place. And so the, this, they, they turn around and say, well, what must we do? What is the work of God? Jesus says very simple. The work of God is to believe in him. Could it be that simple? Just to believe in him? Yeah. That's what he says. He is the, the, the path, and it's based on 
on faith that we're able to do it. You see the same thing in the verse that we used there, whoever believes in him. It's faith in Jesus Christ that gives us hope. But he goes on, and this is, I, I use this expression, I think correctly, he thins the crowd. He knows a bunch of people are there, just as in our culture today, uh, 60 some percent claim to follow Christ and yet only a couple of percent do. So in this crowd of people that were following him were people who were just following him. So he gives an expression which is just so hard. He says, uh, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood, you'll have no life in you. If you feed on my flesh and drink my blood, you have eternal life. I'll raise you up on the last day. People turned away from him. They didn't understand. And rightfully so, I would not have understood. And actually his followers, his disciples, Peter speaks. He doesn't understand, he's clueless. Because Peter's often clueless in his relationship to God. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where should you go? Do you want to go away also? Where would you go, he says. Back to it. Where would you go? And, and, and the challenge of this is they didn't understand. I, I, I put it in front of you. To, can we really understand what it means when Jesus says, eat his flesh and, and drink his blood? They did not understand. And, but, but they didn't leave. And there was a reason they, they didn't leave. Because the eternal words, we have come to believe and to know that you're the Holy One of God. It wasn't that they understood what he was saying, but they understood who he was. There's a difference. He, they understood that he was God. They understood his heart. They understood his message. You know, the, the truth is for me in my life and, and you in your life, there's things we're not going to understand. I look at the chaos of the world personally, and I do not understand. I don't understand how this is a good plan working itself out. When, when I look at the, the starvation, I look at the death, I look at the damage, the wars, everything. I look at that and I go, I can't understand that. It's, it's beyond me. And the truth is, I, my mind's not big enough. And God says that. He says, we're not going to understand everything. One of my favorite verses is, oh, the depth, the wisdom, the knowledge of God. Listen. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Do you know what he's saying? He's saying we won't understand. The wisdom of God is beyond us. God's plan is beyond us. The love of God is truly beyond us understanding. We will not understand completely the Scripture. Now, we study the Scripture. We try and understand God's word, but there's going to be a time when we're going to run out of traction. There's going to be a place where we say, okay, God, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what's going on in our country. I certainly don't. But I know who Jesus is. I know he's God. I know he's the great I am. It, and that's really what we talk about when we believe. It's not that we have a, an iron grip on what's going on in the world. We have an iron understanding, a complete understanding of who's in charge of the world. So when we present Jesus in each of these situations, we're not going to understand, particularly in this uh, eating the bread and, and uh, drinking the blood. No, we're not going to understand that. But we know who he is. 
And we may not understand everything that I read daily, the scripture, and open it up. And there's things I don't understand. And I've got question marks in my Bible. Some of them have been erased over the years, but they're still there, some of them. And the truth is that we won't figure it out. But do we know who Jesus is? The one who's in charge, the holy God, the one that came here. And, and he asked an interesting question. He says, where will you go? I'm reading a book uh, by a man named Tozer who, who talks about this when he brings this up. Who would you go? Who would we go to? Uh, will we go to uh, some psychobabble? Will we go to Freud or Maslow? Will we go to Darwin? Will we go to some? Who will we go to that has the wisdom and insight that God does? No one. Who else would we go to to be able to do that? He ultimately is the one. Peter understood that completely. And so should we. We should understand that there are certain things we're going to take communion. I don't think I can fully grasp the idea of taking bread as a reminder of Christ's sacrifice for me and his life for me and understand the life-changing action that actually took place in me over the years. I see the signs, I see that. But who shall we go to? Uh, there isn't anyone. So what's the, what is the application today? The application is to take communion. Now, I, I challenge myself to understand, I don't know everything about Jesus. I don't. But I understand it's, it's his blood that gives me freedom in life. Without that, I'm dead in my sins, and so are you. It's only Christ that removes those sins so that we, and, and gives us life. He's, they say when he came, he is life. And we'll talk about that in one of the messages. He is life. And so as Christ removes our sins, we become spiritually alive. And so we celebrate that in communion. It's his blood that takes away our sins. Also, he comes to live inside of us. That, that in these situations, we can, we can understand that, that we've been crucified with Christ. So the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God because Christ is in us. And then the bread that comes is, is the sustenance that he gives us. He says, if you abide in my word and in me, if, you, if we abide and remain in him, this bread that we take, which is his body and his life that will sustain us, then we'll have life. This is communion. It's not a, a, a dead ritual. It's a living reality, reminding ourselves that Christ paid for our sins and that we find life in him and that we sustain that life by partaking of his word, partaking of his life inside of us by reading his word. If we, if, if we read in his word, then we know. Here's, here's where we've been ransomed by his blood. I've been crucified with Christ. He now lives inside of me. This is, this is, the, this is the blood that we take. The bread, again, is this, this ability uh, to, be, to be bound with him in his word. Uh, so as we take that, let's, let us prepare our hearts for that. Uh, he shows us that of abiding in him and doing those things. This is the conditions of the covenant that we have with him. And, and this is what we celebrate today. Uh, and the question is, do the disciples, Jesus said to him, said, do you want to go back? And, you know, again, in, in reading this book by Tozer, he says, go back to what? Do I want to go back to my previous life? If you're a Christ follower here, do you? You know, I look back and I, actually, I, I'm embarrassed. I can't believe that I wasted 33 years and and, and without going into any detail in my mind, because I can't 
do that and keep sanity. What a fool I was. The thoughts I had, what I thought was important, how to keep a self-image, an image of pride and arrogance and control, all of those things, the people I hurt. Really? Go back to that? No. I don't, want to, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have to understand everything, but I'm not going back to that. Is that your statement? Is that our statement? Because that really, literally, as we come forward today, as we abide in him and his word abides in us, he will do those things for us. So encouragement in, it, in communion is to examine ourselves. Jesus asked us to. Is this truly a communion that we're, are we celebrating truth? We do this. He says if, if we take communion uh, in an unworthy manner, we'll become guilty of the body of blood. So one of the things that communion is for is a reset. Uh, I was a parent uh, for a number of years. They've all now left me uh, and gone to other states. But there was a time when I would tell them when they would do something bad, now you go think about that. And of course, they thought I was just being a rude dude to get them locked in their room. But I really, I wanted them to go think about what they had done. And Jesus tells us the same thing. Stop. Think about it. Are you in the right place, for example, to take communion? If we're followers of Christ, we're in the right place. If, if we've accepted the forgiveness and he now lives in us, we're in the right place. But there, even as followers of Christ, sometimes I, I encourage us to stop and ask God to search our hearts. This is a, a prayer that I often use personally. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart, because he does. And if there's any hurtful way in, show me. Quite honestly, often in taking communion, there's been times when a name comes to my mind. Someone I haven't forgiven. Or some past hurt that I'm carrying. Or some, something that's inside of me that's just not right. Anxiety, fear. Forget that God's in charge. Simple for me to do. I, uh, so as you take communion today, ask God to search your heart. The things that you need to correct. Is there someone you need to go forgive? Is there someone that you, you need to ask their forgiveness? Are there things? If, as we look at our life and our walk with Christ, are, are we in the right place? It's a very simple thing. People have, have come and they said, well, I can't take communion because I haven't forgiven this person. Well, you can take communion, but, but you purpose in your heart. You do the forgiveness here and cleanse it. The thing that you know that Christ wants you to do, he may be knocking at the door of your heart and saying, this is something you should do. This is something that's missing. Make the commitment in your heart to do that. Because the good news is, I, the Lord, I search the heart. I test the mind. See, he looks at hearts. So when it comes time to take communion, he's looking at our hearts. So the goal, the purpose of communion is a time of refreshment and reconnecting, connecting with Jesus Christ. So as we take the elements, take a moment. Um, man's going to come up and, and do a song for us as we do that. Uh, but join me in prayer as we get ready. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this moment, for this time that you have ordained, that you've prepared our hearts for, that we might come to the table 
and we might see the body and blood of Christ offered to us. Blood for forgiveness of our sins that he shed on a cross when we were so unworthy and so unprepared. Thank you, Lord. And, and thank you that you meet us each day as we open your word, as your word sustains us as the bread of life, that we hear your voice, we learn, and, and, and we grow to become more like Christ. And Lord, search us. For each of us as we take communion today, uh, that we might learn, that we might grow, that we might hear your voice of what you want us to do. And also, Lord, that we will hear the simple voice that you love us, that, that you love us enough to give your life. And forgiveness and grace and mercy are available in your kingdom now. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. The song that they're going to sing is, is one of the first times that they've done this song, I believe. And, and it, it talks about God's words. Here's some of the lyrics from it. Here I am at your feet again. My heart is open wide. Jesus, come inside. All that I am, I place in your hands. There's nowhere I can hide. I don't even want to try. Uh, as we listen to those words, uh, that's the offer that we have. The communion tables are in the front and in the back. Please pick them up and go back to your seat. And as God leads you, take the communion elements. What a great words for communion. Let's start over. You know, God's grace is new every morning. Uh, if, if you're here and, and you've been struggling and, and you want that, start, that new start, God offers it. If you're here and you've never really accepted Christ, you, some of the stuff is just sounds good, and, but it's a little foreign to you, and we can help you, please let us know. Uh, that's what we're here for. You know, in, in getting ready for that, it's, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God, which draws us to him. Can't go anywhere else. Uh, let me close in prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this incredible gift of Christ giving us forgiveness, mercy, and a new start and a new life. Lord, for each of us, uh, that, that know you. Thank you for the reminder of how good you are. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Next week, we'll continue. We'll talk about Jesus. will say, I'm the light, the light that comes into the world. Please join us for that. And if we can help in any way, let us know.